It is Easter week, and it is the big Super Bowl of all Christian celebrations and days that we have on our calendar. Do you know that, ladies? It's not just about Easter baskets and Easter dresses and going to church and sunrise services. It's about Jesus, and we're celebrating Him today. And I don't know what condition you might be in today. I don't know what's on your heart or what's going on, but God does. And He cares, and He loves you, and He loves me. And this message that I have for you, I pray, will be a real encouragement and a blessing to your heart. I'm going to read from a very familiar passage. It is John chapter 20, verses 11 through 16. And this is what it said. Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you weeping? And they heard this answer from Mary, Because they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he asks, for the second time, the same question, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Can you think of a time in your life when you hoped and wished for something good to happen? You prayed and you prayed and you asked and hoped that you would receive an answer, but sadly, the thing you wished for didn't come to be. How did you feel? We've all had these times, and I can tell you, I have discovered after years of walking with Jesus that by experience, time and time again, that if I was just willing to wait long enough, that what I would see perhaps would not be the good that I had wished for, but it was the best thing that I could have ever dreamed of. And that's why this passage speaks to my heart so much, because it was obvious, if you put yourself in that scene with Mary, how much she loved Jesus, she and these other women who had followed Jesus, do you know that her first encounter with the Lord was when he cast out seven demons from her? We have no idea the condition of Mary's life when she met Jesus. I can only imagine she was probably an emotional and mental and physical wreck. Can you think of what that might have been like for her to have been freed, completely freed of all that horror that had been affecting and attached to her life? And as a result, she had followed and served Jesus only for this all to end at the cross where she watched him endure unspeakable cruelty and suffering. Here was the Lord who had delivered her life and given it back to her. She watched him humiliated 
and crucified and crying out on the cross, it is finished. And I bet you anything, Mary and those who stood at the bottom of that cross thought the same thing. They thought, it's over. This is it. Who knows what tomorrow will be like? So Mary and her friends on Easter Sunday morning after the Sabbath got their spices and anointing oils and things together, and they went to see Jesus' body. One last time, they were expecting to see and find a dead body. But when she arrives at the grave, she sees that the door and the opening to the tomb is already open, and she is faced with this devastating reality, as if it hadn't been bad enough. This was her moment to anoint his precious body, and it was gone. All she had wanted was one final encounter with him, even if it was just to touch him for one last time and anoint his body in a final act of devotion. I don't know if you've ever lost a loved one, but I understand this longing, this desire so deep, so deep, you can't even explain it to someone who hasn't experienced it, to just touch and hold your loved one for one last time, to hold them in your arms. My son, Christopher, has been gone from us 17 years. It'll be the 17 years this summer. His birthday is April 1st, and he would have been 48 years old. That's shocking to me. <laughs> I have a hard time believing that my firstborn son would have been 48, but so it is. Since he was 33 years, I've had 17 years of that longing. And when we read scriptures like this, when I read scriptures like this, I find it's really helpful for me to put myself in the shoes or the sandals of these New Testament believers, put myself into their time and into their situations because our times and our situations are not all that much different, are they? They are so much like we are, um, human, frail, fearful, doubting, devastated. So as I look back and I read Mary's story, this is a story for all of us in those same circumstances, perhaps slightly different, but experiencing all the same emotions. I can look back at Mary and the disciples with hindsight 2020 crystal clarity, right? How could she have not known that he was risen? Why did she not believe the signs and the words of Jesus? And we've just finished a, an entire series on the signs of Jesus. And we read time and time again that the disciples saw these miracles. No doubt Mary had witnessed them as well. Our own present story, however, to us is not always so clear. Theirs might be in hindsight. But ours isn't simple or easy to understand or explain because we are right there in the middle of it. But this passage speaks lessons to anyone who is going through any time of sadness or confusion or grief. Mary is devastated, and it feels like life had ended not just for the Lord, but for her, and she is in deep grief. It, it is hard to explain what deep grief really feels like, the finality of it, the starkness of it, the coldness of it, and the reality that slaps you on the face and springs up at the most unexpected moments 
when the future feels like one big giant disaster and you cannot see past the moment. Mary is missing Jesus. And I don't mean she is missing him as if she's wishing he was there and present and alive as he was before. What I mean is she is missing Jesus. She's missing several clues that reveal what is actually happening. First of all, she missed the first clue. That was the clue of the grave clothes, right? That's a clue that he had risen from the dead, a pretty major clue. Think for a moment, why would anyone steal a dead body and then take the time to unwrap the grave clothes and leave it there in the tomb? Doesn't make any sense. But not only does she not see that clue, but as she bends over and looks into the dark tomb, she sees these two men, angels, we're told, dressed in white. And they ask her, woman, why are you crying? Can I ask you that today? (laughs) Are, Are you crying about something? Is something really troubling you? Are you sad about something? These angels ask Mary, why are you crying? It's a good question to ask why we cry. What is it we really are crying about? And she says, I don't know where they've taken him. Please tell me where he is, and I will take him. In Luke's gospel, we have a little bit more detail about what the angels say to her. Very clearly, they say, don't be afraid. Who are you seeking? I know you're looking for Jesus, and he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said. Did you hear that? They're saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Who are you seeking? And what are you seeking? When you think about what it is that makes you sad, it's most likely something that has been taken from you or is not within your grasp, a hope, a dream that has been shattered, a problem that has come in that you wish wasn't there. There's so many situations that we encounter throughout our day on a regular basis And that's why there are over 365 fear knots in all of Scripture. I had a friend who wrote a book about that. Every single fear knot is a fear knot for us. If we know Jesus and we trust his word, there is every reason why we should not fear. That was the second set of clues she blew by. Two angels telling her that he wasn't here and that he was risen. The messengers. But she missed those too. And then, of course, at the very last, we read, At this she turns around and she sees Jesus standing there, but she doesn't realize that it is Jesus. I have had these scriptures speak to my heart so many times. In the throes of grief and in other times when I'm in the midst of a really hard trial, where I have thought of myself as the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee with the storm and the waves and the fear of drowning. And Jesus is coming. He is walking on the waves, coming to me to rescue me. And I don't recognize him. Mary doesn't recognize him either. And he asks her the same question. And I'm asking you the same question. Why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Who are you looking for? She still doesn't get it. Thinking he was the gardener, she doesn't recognize Jesus. The fact is, Mary is blowing through three sets of signs 
sort of like stop signs, you know, and she's in her car, and she's just driving right past them. We know that Mary loved Jesus. We know that Mary knew Jesus. She had seen all of his miracles. And Mary had heard him over and over and over again say, I am going to die, and three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. But on that Sunday morning, when she ran up there to anoint his body, and she sees an open tomb, and she sees two young men in bright raiment at the grave, what does she say? (laughs) Does she say, he's done it. It's happened. He rose from the dead. No. She says, they took his body. Her perception and her vision was clouded. We studied recently about the blind man who had never seen, and Christ restored his sight. And we were asked the question, if we knew people in our lives who were spiritually blind and needed to be healed of that spiritual blindness, to have their spiritual eyes open, but I would ask you this question, and most of you are Christians, I would say, how are you spiritually blind right now? to the reality that Jesus is right there with you in the midst of your trial. You know, Mary didn't need any help to have faith in general in Jesus. But in this situation, this specific kind of faith, faith that requires her to really stretch those muscles of faith, that was a different kind of faith, a particular kind of faith. And we need that same faith, too. We need that Faith that's in the middle of where we are, not just in the beginning and certainly at the end of the trial when we look back and we see it came through. But right now, we need that faith in the middle of our circumstances. But look what happens to Mary. He calls her by her name, and he says, Mary. And it's then she recognizes him. You know, the Bible teaches us that faith is kind of like a windshield. It's not something that you are supposed to be looking at. It's something that you're supposed to be looking through. You don't look at a windshield and all the dust and all the bugs that are sticking to it. If you keep your focus on those things, you're going to crash. You have to look through that windshield, clouded as it may be at times, and keep your eyes on what's coming around the bend. How clean and how pure does a windshield of faith need to be? Let me just tell you, just enough to see the road. Just enough to see the road. Our faith can be as small as a grain of mustard seed. And yes, there are times of testing and of trial when I have to say, like some of you may say, if you're honest enough to say, my faith is not adequate for this trial. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm troubled. I'm being moved. That's because I'm looking at the windshield. And I can't see the thing that my eyes are supposed to be focused on. I'm focusing on the wrong thing. I'm not called to put faith in my faith. I'm called to put faith on the focus and the object of my faith, which is my Savior. And it is precisely at that moment when I can't see the way out or an answer on the horizon or a fix to my problem that I pray, Lord, help me with my faith. I believe. Help my unbelief. When I'm willing to say that, the help I ask for is right there. Do you know what those years of walking with Jesus have taught me to do? It's what Jesus shows us that Mary did here. I have to stick around. Not like the disciples who left the tomb and went off and locked the doors, afraid of what might happen to them next. 
Mary lingered at that tomb, and as she lingered, even in her confusion, Jesus showed up. She stayed. She stuck. She waited, and she hung in there. Right now, what you need to do if you're in that situation is you need to keep reading your Bible. You need to say, Lord, help me believe. Say a prayer like, Lord, I am your sheep, and you are my shepherd. Provide. Guide. Heal, restore, comfort, lead me. And do you know that if I will allow the Lord to speak to me through his word, he shows me his promises are not just for those people in the New Testament or the Old Testament or some saint somewhere else. Those promises have my name on it. He called her Mary, and he's calling you by name in his word. Some of us run around like we're crazy women. We've been running around for 25 years or longer saying, I don't know where he is. I don't know where he is. Can I tell you, don't worry about that. He knows where you are. Look at Mary. Can you see what happened to her? Mary was standing in the midst of the greatest sign of God's love and power and wisdom in the history of the world And she was, for that moment, reading it as a disaster. God was right there with her, saving her. And God is right here with you, with me, putting things together for us. And yet, for a brief time, we might read it as a disaster. So can I ask you how you're doing this Easter week? What's going on in your life right now? Are you running around, blowing through stop signs, forgetting his promises, just like Mary did? Dear friends, can I assure you that it may look like God doesn't care and that he isn't with you and that everything is going wrong. It's not because God isn't there, and it's not because he has abandoned you. When you're running around and everything seems like it's one step away from falling apart and you're sure God is forgotten and God is not there and it feels like nothing but enemies are surrounding you, consider this. The scriptures are telling you the truth. The trustworthy testimony of his messengers, angels, so to speak, that surround you are reliable. But when you finally hear Jesus speaking into your situation with your name on those promises, you will recognize him. And as a result, you will, like Mary, say, My teacher my Lord. Mary was the first one to hear the news of the resurrection. She lingered, she waited, and she was rewarded. She was the first one to really see the risen Lord. And for one brief shining moment, she was the evangelist, the missionary, the only person who knew and understood the truth. And with that message, she runs and tells people. Ladies, we have the same words Mary had in Scripture. We have his same love. We are given the same call. We have the same mission. You and me this week, let's not blow past the stop signs. Let's not fail to recognize Jesus in the midst of what might look like a troubling disaster. Let's be willing to linger and wait upon him. 
whatever your situation. Can you hear him? Can you see him? There is a future and a good plan. Will you respond to him right now personally to have the kind of faith and trust in your Savior? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be like Mary. We want to be a voice that carries hope and excitement and joy and peace and power into the darkness that might be surrounding us. Lord, may we see you. May we hear you. May we trust you. And may we be changed forever by the beautiful and great news that you are not in that tomb, that you are risen. And you are risen indeed. By faith, we can believe. And by faith, we will believe. Amen.